0: Guys, we are in the book of Genesis, and I hope y'all are enjoying this trip through it. Many pastors in many places no longer preach on the book of Genesis. It presents too many problems. It gives Too many conundrums, too many situations that a lot of pastors who want to be slick and popular just don't want to deal with. I've had a few people tell me, Are we going to deal with the difficulties in chapter six? And oh, yes, my beloved, we are going to deal with those issues. We are right here. We're going to talk about one of my favorite expressions there were giants in the land. We've encountered this phrase in Genesis 6. It meant a lot of different things. And I tell you today, church, there are giants in this land, this land of the United States of America. In these days, there are giants. And we're going to look at what those giants are, what they do, what problems they present as we go through this chapter today. Now, if you want to deal with giants in the land, God gives you a wonderful three-step process. This is the process he is going to take Noah through. This is how he is going to deal with the problem of giants in the land. Remember, now we are still in the pre-flood days. The earth is only one landmass, one massive ocean. There are not continents out there separating as the magma pushes up and separates the tectonic plates. That's not happening yet. This is still a stable earth with one land mass. So what is this process of dealing with giants in the land? Genesis chapter 6, verse 1. The first step is this, recognizing that there is a problem. There was a problem in this wonderful world that God had created, and there is a problem in America today. Let's look at this. When mankind began to multiply on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of mankind were beautiful and they took them, any that they chose, as wives for themselves. And the Lord said, My spirit will not remain with mankind forever because they are corrupt. Their days will be 120 years. Let's stop right there. What's going on? You have just read one of the most problematic verses in the Bible. Who are the sons of God? And what is it that they see in the daughters of men? I'm going to teach you a little bit of Hebrew today. Are you going to remember it? No. Are you going to remember what it means? I pray so. This phrase, the sons of God, is banah ha-elohim. It is only, mark this down, it is only used of angels in the Old Testament. Not until the New Testament do we get the qualification of becoming the sons and daughters of God. But that is a completely different time after the crucifixion and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. In this day, benaha Elohim, the sons of God are the angels who serve the Lord in heaven. Some people have said, oh, no, they're not talking about angels. They're talking about these godly children of Seth. Seth was not godly. Seth was born, as you remember from last week, in the image of Adam. And that that image was broken, and it was corrupted because it was post-Garden of Eden. So these sons of God, these angels in heaven, saw that the daughters of mankind were beautiful, and they took them, any that they chose for themselves, as wives. Why is this a problem? Every young man looks forward to the day when he goes out and he sees that perfect woman and his heart sings little songs, whatever song that might be. You know, mine was always, Isn't She Lovely? It's a it's a great song that comes up from all of us old people. Then I saw my wife, I heard the words, and there it was. But this was not allowed. This was forbidden. The angels who serve in heaven, according to the Lord Jesus do not marry, and are not given in marriage. Their service, their life, their identity is exclusively at the beck and call of God Almighty. So to divide their loyalties, to divide themselves between serving their God and serving their own desires was not what they were created to be. We go on and we look, and it says, because there were Nephilim, In the earth, verse 4, the Nephilim were on the earth both in those days and afterward when the sons of God came to the daughters of mankind who bore children to them. They were the powerful men of old, the famous men. What does the word Nephilim mean? Now, do you have an older translation? Do you have the King James perhaps? You're going to see a word in there. That word is gigantes, gigantes, or giants. There were giants in the earth. By that, it means this. The word Nephilim, which is the actual Hebrew word, means those who are fallen. The fallen ones were on the earth in those days. They came to the daughters of men, and they bore them sons. Those sons were the powerful men of old. Now, this phrase right here is the earthborn. So, to the daughters of men were the earthborn, the Nephilim, the gigantes, That was just a transliteration from the original Greek over here to this. So now think about what that means. We live in a day and age when people are on TV 24 hours a day, seven days a week, talking about the ancient astronauts, ancient aliens who came to the earth and began the whole evolution of the human race. And they they have mixed with the human race. I've seen scientists get on TV and without even smiling, say 45% of the people on the face of the earth are human-alien hybrids. And I look around to see if anybody's laughing because they should be laughing. That's ridiculous. Now, think about this. What did we have in these days that confused people? Have you ever heard the word demigod? Hercules was a demigod, according to the stories. A demigod had one god as a parent, and then it had one human as a parent. And so that was a semi-divine being. Where did the Greeks and the Romans and all of the other ancient peoples get this idea that there were demigods on the earth? They got it because right here in Genesis chapter 6, We have the Nephilim or the Nephilim. We have the fallen ones. We have the gigantes, the earthborn. Think about what that means. The Bible existed before the flood because the stories of God that he taught to his people were there. After the flood, there was a time when they were all together and Noah would have been a teacher. He would have taught them all of these things. We're going to get to that in a minute, by the way. And then when the Tower of Babel comes, and we're going to get to that in a few weeks, they took the stories of God with them into their new worlds, their new languages, and they began to change them and warp them and corrupt them and make them into something else. Do you know why you need the Bible so desperately in your life? Because right here, contained in this translation, is God's revelation of exactly what happened. Not some guy on TV with wild hair telling you what he thinks might have happened. I love scientists. Well, we think this happened. We think this could have happened. This might have happened. I don't have to listen to think, surmise, you know, we we think it happened. I know what happened because God wrote down through Moses on Mount Sinai exactly the lineage of the human race, how we got here, who we are. I told you at the very beginning, Genesis chapters 1 through 11 are the most critical verses that you can know, learn, and understand because if you understand those 11 chapters, you will understand exactly why the world is the way it is today. Amen? Hopefully, some of the things I've said over the last few weeks have bothered you. I hope they have. I hope they have challenged you. I hope they've made you stop and think about what's really going on around you. Did you know that the Vatican, the Pope in Rome, has put into place a policy, a papal policy, that means a sacred holy writ, a papal policy on how they are going to receive extraterrestrials when they come to earth. Think about this. This is the head of the Roman Catholic Church saying, when the aliens come, not if, when they come, this is how we're going to take them and bring them into the Catholic Church. What do they know that we don't know? I think they knew Genesis chapter 6. Once before, because it says this right here. It says, okay, The Nephilim were on the earth both in those days and afterward. You keep running into the descendants of the Nephilim. Does anyone want to guess who they were? There was this guy named Goliath of Gath. There were the sons of the giants who were in the promised land, and and the Israelites came to the border. They go in, oh, we can't go in there. The sons of so-and-so are in there, and they're like giants. They're huge. They're powerful. So rather than face them in the power that God gave them, they ran away. We see them after the flood. So that means Satan is actively involved in contaminating the human race with a genetic disease that makes us want to be more than what God made us to be. These visitations were unnatural. They were not according to God's plans. And that's why we have the superstition of demigods. So there was a problem. Things were happening on the earth that were beginning to destroy and erode who mankind was created to be. But you know what? God had a solution. The second point. God had a solution. Genesis 6, 5. When the Lord saw that man's wickedness was widespread on the earth and that every scheme in his mind that is thought was nothing but evil all of the time, okay, then the Lord said, I will wipe off the face of the earth Mankind, all of us, which I have created together with the animals, creatures that crawl and birds of the sky, for I regret that I have made them. Noah, however, found favor in the sight of the Lord. So God sees what's happening on the earth. It says mankind's wickedness was widespread on the earth and every scheme of his mind thought was nothing but evil all of the time. We see this again later when when the scripture says, there is none good, no, not one. Not one who seeks after God. Every man seeks after his own good, what he wants, what gives him power, what gives him meaning, what gives him the ability to run over everybody else. If you don't believe people run over each other, get on the traffic on I-10 going into Houston. They run all over each other out there. It's terrible. So God has this solution. There is going to be a global catastrophe. Now, do you know that scientists have said within the last year, now get this, I don't want you to be shocked, scientists have said categorically that there was a worldwide flood. Oh my goodness, who could ever have guessed that there was a worldwide flood? But, lest we give God the glory for what he's about to do, Scientists say, oh no, a giant asteroid hit the earth and it fractured the Pangean continent and set the continents drifting and uh, then the sea levels rose up and they covered over the earth and that's why you have all these fossils. Well, duh, what do you think the word of God said 3,500 years ago? Remember, Mount Sinai was about 3,500 years ago. 3,500 years ago, God told them, What was going to happen? And he will keep telling them and record that story. Other people say, oh, well, there's all kinds of flood stories from different countries. Yeah, hello. Only eight people are getting on the ark. Only eight people are getting off. So everybody who gets off the ark knows the same story. They just begin to tell it in their own way when they get into their own language groups and they get into their own cultures. Begin to put this together, people. The history of the human race is right here. Science says we know kind of what might have sort of happened. But God says, I will tell you exactly what happened. There's no question that there was a global catastrophe. The only questions now are, what did it and why did it happen? And we have an answer right here. Verse 9 says this. These are the family records of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among his contemporaries think about this. God is selecting Noah. Why? It says in this translation, he was a righteous man or a blameless man. Remember, blameless does not mean you have not sinned. Blameless means you have been justified. So God gave them a system whereby when they had sinned, they could come before him, make a sacrifice, and offering, and be justified by that shed blood. That's been the Garden of Eden experience ever since then until now. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. That's what it says. But since he was a blameless man, that meant he was either perfect or the word is unblemished. Remember, all the sheep that were sacrificed to God had to be unblemished. No disease, no spots, no tumors, no broken bones had to be physically perfect but it also means uncontaminated. Uncontaminated by what? It says he was blameless among his contemporaries, but a little bit better translation would be he would be blameless or spotless in his generations. That word is actually plural. What generations? Go from Noah Backwards, We did all of those names last week, right? We know the 10 names that go from Adam right to no. We know who they were. In those generations, there was no contamination of the Nephilim. There was no contamination of these people, these hybrids, these experiences with foreign beings. See, everyone says, I believe in extraterrestrials. Well, so do I. I believe in non-terrestrials because angels don't live here on the earth. They dwell in heaven with the Lord. That makes them extraterrestrial. You get the joke? This is how we mess up with people in the real world. Literally, they are extraterrestrial. They're not from the earth. They're made in God's kingdom. So somehow this lineage that God had laid out from Adam all the way down was protected from this contamination from these aliens. I was telling John earlier, there are scientists who say that 45% of the people on the earth have a strange genome or a strange uh, DNA that is somehow contaminated by something else. They say it's aliens that have come down and and now people are contaminated with that alien DNA. Some people say that uh, we have all this uh, Neanderthal DNA that stuck around How did the Neanderthals stick around? It's my question. It doesn't make any sense scientifically. But it makes perfect sense biblically. There was no contamination by these earthborns or by these people who were mixed between angels and humans. There was none of that in the lineage of Noah. So there was none of that contamination. Remember, something incredible is going to happen after the flood. God's going to limit the length of time that men can live. So men are not going to be living 900 years or 700 years or 800 years. He's not going to be living that way anymore. He's going to limit that lifespan. He's going to bring it down. And that's going to have a lot to do with the changes that the earth goes through in the days of the flood. What's interesting is when Jesus is talking about the end of days. He said it will be like the days of Noah. Okay, so if you don't know what the days of Noah are like, how do we know what the end of days is going to look like? And I'm telling you right now, this says that in those days there were Nephilim or earth-born, the, the children of the fallen ones who were on the earth. And I think that today, there is still a lot of this spiritual contamination with people who worship different things, different gods, different entities, you know, the tree huggers and bunny lovers. There's all those people out there that are not going to worship God. They're not going to give God his glory. Consider this, 2 Peter 2, 5, if God did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, now, look at what it calls him here. It doesn't call him a shipbuilder or a shipwright. To preserve Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world, upon the ungodly. Noah was a preacher. That makes me so happy. The word is actually a herald or a messenger. A preacher is another type of herald, one type of uh, talebearer. one who bears the story. But Noah wasn't silent. All the days of his life when he was building the ark, he was telling people, destruction is coming. Judgment is coming. What do you think people said to Noah? He's in the middle of the continent. He's right up here, nowhere near the shore, and he's building a massive ship. He's building this huge ship, and God's going to give him the dimensions in a minute. They must have thought he was insane. Okay, the nearest water is over yonder. How are you going to get this from here to there? He's like, no, you don't understand. The water is not over there. The water is going to come right here. God is going to do something to wipe out the human race. And the only thing left will be what's in this boat. They didn't believe it. Go out there today. Tell people that God is coming back. Tell people that Jesus is returning. And you know what they're going to tell you? The water is over there. Why are you building the ark over here? They think we're just as crazy as Noah was. They think that we're, we're looking for something that's not there. We're just going to keep growing and advancing, becoming more and more whatever, turn into these aliens. If even the Vatican is looking for alien emissaries to come to the earth and show us a better way of life, I wonder what better way Satan could have chosen to come than as an angel of light as a savior from the stars. And as, as bad as it is today, as bad as the world is, I think people will gladly accept this visitor, this savior from the stars. I think it's going to happen. He goes and said, this. Um, he says, he was blameless among his temperate. Noah walked with God, and Noah fathered three sons, Shem, Ham, Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with wickedness. Sound like any place you live? Look at the news, look at TV, look at movies, look what is lifted up, look what is exalted in the real world out there, and you'll see that this is true. Then God said to Noah, I have decided to put an end to every creature, for the earth is filled with wickedness because of them. Therefore, I am going to destroy them along with the earth. This could not have set well with Noah. Noah could not have taken this easily. Lord, you're going to destroy everybody. Why are you telling me? You know, if you're going to destroy everything, why are you telling me, Lord? And he goes on, and he's going to tell him just exactly why he needs to know all this. Second Peter says. Second Peter three says this. They will say, "Where's the promise of his coming?" I've heard this from people. Isn't Jesus supposed to come back? Isn't he going to come back and take you all somewhere? Yeah. So where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Well, now things are much, much worse than at the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and that the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that existed then was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. You see, the people of his day, they didn't believe the end was coming either. The people in this day, they don't believe Jesus is ever coming back. There are churches out there that I've seen on the news, churches out there that are saying, we have to change everything to fit the modern culture. We have to change everything that we teach, everything that we believe because we want to be in sync with the modern world. Why would you want to be aligned with something that is destined for destruction? Noah would not join in the things of the world. So maybe he was outcast, but God chose him because he would not he wouldn't bend. He wouldn't capitulate. He wouldn't give in. He stood his ground. Even when he hears, everything is going to be destroyed. Okay, Lord, you're the God of all things. You know what you're doing. Remember this. When you start telling people about this, they are not going to believe you. Why? They didn't believe Noah. As he built that massive ship, they didn't believe it. They just thought he was crazy. Until the storm clouds came and everything came to an end. So you know what? There was a problem. There is a problem today. You know, God had a solution then. He has a solution now. He sent his son to die that we might be saved, that we might avoid this judgment of the last days. Final thing is this. That solution requires a sacrifice. We know that for us, Jesus was the sacrifice that makes it possible for us to avoid what is going to happen. And let me emphasize that. What is going to happen. The judgment cannot be stopped. There is nothing that we can do as a church, as a people of God, nothing that we can do to keep judgment from coming. There will be a rapture. There will be a tribulation of seven years. There will be a thousand year reign of Christ on the earth, and then everything will be destroyed, and a new heaven and a new earth will come down. That cannot be stopped. You understand that? Nothing you can do, no prayer you can pray. What you can do is exactly what Noah is about to do. That solution requires a sacrifice. Genesis six fourteen. make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it with pitch inside and outside. This is how you are to make it. Now, this is where God really wanted Noah to get it. He really wanted Noah to get it. He says this, you are to make a... The arc, you are to make it this way. The arc will be 450 long, 775 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Okay, the arc will be 450 long, 75 wide, 45 high. Scientists at the Oceanographic Institute in Galveston, I think it was, actually took this, these dimensions, subjected them to waves in that giant tidal pool they have down there. That tidal pool is awesome it is huge. It can recreate uh, waves near the land and in the deep ocean. They put this model into that tank, and they threw everything they had at it. You know what they found? It's seaworthy. This will stand up. These are the perfect proportions for an ocean-going vessel. In fact, many of the uh, container carriers that sail in the open ocean today use these proportions. So God ain't stupid. He's the perfect engineer. He says, This you are to make a roof, finishing the sides of the ark to within 18 inches of that roof. You are to put a door on the side of the ark, make it with lower, middle, and upper decks. Understand that I am bringing a flood, flood waters on the earth to destroy every creature under heaven with the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will die. Everything on the earth. By the way, guys. You don't have to worry about the things under the earth because everything swimming in the ocean is perfect. All you're doing is making more room for them to move around. So all the things in the ocean were good, just the things on dry land. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark with your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives. You will also bring into the ark two of all the living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you, two of everything from the birds according to their kind, from livestock according to their kind, and from the animals that crawl on the ground according to their kind. We've talked about this before. You don't need one of every dog species on the earth. You only need two dogs. Most likely something like a wolf, because a wolf has all the DNA for all the other dogs in it. You only need two types of birds. You only need two types of, of the types of cattle that are out there. So you don't need to have every kind of horse. You just have two horses. So you're good to go with that one. It says this, they will come to you so that you can keep them alive. Noah did not have to go get them. God would bring them to the place of safety. By the way, if you ever wonder how are you going to reach people for Jesus, God will bring to you the people who need to hear about salvation. Every day people come into your life, I know they come into mine, Every day they will come into your life and there will be an opportunity for you to share with them who Jesus is and what salvation he's provided. See, that's the great thing about the ark. The ark was this great big visible thing. And the animals were brought to it by the spirit of God and led them there so they could be saved people will come to this church. They will come to your home. They will come to your Bible studies and they will come because God will lead them to salvation. Remember the Christian is only a farmer and they are a midwife. We plant the seeds out there. We water the seeds with prayers and tears. God causes the growth. Actually, the Bible says the Holy Spirit causes the growth. Then When the baby's born, you are but the midwife that catches the child and then helps to raise it in the full knowledge of who God is. You can't save anybody. You understand that? You cannot save anyone. All you can do is plant, water, and receive the child as it shoots out. You understand that? A lot of people despair. Why can't I save this person? Why can't I save that person? It's not your job. Beloved, you are farmers and waterers. That's it. Only God can awaken a soul to its need of salvation. You're there to provide the fertilizer. You're there to provide the knowledge. You're there to give everything that is needed externally. But only the Holy Spirit can awaken a soul to its need for salvation. That's not your job. As a pastor, that is the only thing that has kept me sane over the last 30 odd years. I can't save anybody. I've seen a lot of people born into the kingdom, but it wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit. Take with you every kind of food that is eaten. Gather it as food for you and for them. Okay. So they're gathering food for the animals. This will be the last time this happens like this. This experience on the ark will be the last time that everybody's a vegetarian. After the flood things are going to change. And Noah did this. He did everything that God had commanded him. Isn't that amazing? Noah didn't him at all. He didn't try to fuss out of it. Unlike Job, he didn't try to explain it away. He didn't try to bargain with God. Well, God, if I do this and this, will you delay it a little bit? No. He gave him a job, specific instructions, and said, go do it. And he did it. He went right away and started to do exactly what God had said. I think it's interesting. People have said over the years, no one could build a boat this big that would actually sail. If you look in the news, there's a place called the Ark Encounter in Kentucky. They rebuilt using, of all, of all things, Amish builders. They built an ark. They used the little circulating drills that made holes and they put the pegs in there and they put that thing together. There's a guy in Europe actually built a working ark. And you know what it does? It floats and it navigates. It does everything it is supposed to. God is the perfect engineer. That means for your life, church, you are built to do exactly what you do. You are built to be the person you are meant to be. Each of us has a unique life, a unique story, a unique presence. Not everybody can be reached by a preacher. Not everybody can be reached by a preacher's wife or preacher's daughter. Not everybody can be reached by a highly educated individual who works with high technology. Some people just require genuine human beings to see them and to know that God's at work in their life. And that goes for young men, too. You can reach people that we will never get close to. Because that's how God built you, little ark. He built you to do exactly what you are doing. Now, going back to this thing I keep hearing, the ark would never have worked. There's never been such a boat in all of history. That's wrong. Did you know, church, the ark was only one of three giant vessels in ancient history. They automatically dismiss it because it's in the Bible. They say, that's not possible. There are two other ships that they have to look at. The Chinese built a ship called the Yonghe. The Yonghe was a six-masted sailing ship. How do we know that it was six-masted? Because they have a model of it in China. How do we know it actually sailed the oceans? The anchor for it is off the west coast of the United States. There's a massive Chinese ship anchor off of the coast of the United States that proves the Chinese got here in 1,000 AD, not 1,492 in the Bahamas. And we also know the Vikings got to the east coast in about 1,000 AD, but they kind of cheated. They went through Greenland. Now, here's the thing about that ship. Six-masted sailing ship, cargo ship reputedly just as big as the Ark. The Chinese will fight tooth and nail over this one. But there's another one, the Tessachron Terrace. The Tessachron Terrace was a warship. It was actually two ships. The name actually means the 40 rows. There were 40 rows of sailors who moved this ship, 40 rows of oarmen, but there were two hulls. There was a hull here with 20 men, a hull here with 20 men, and there was a fighting deck on top. This thing was massive. Care to guess how long they think it was? 450 feet. Hmm. Where have I heard about a wooden ship 450 feet long? The Ark was 450 feet long. This ship is highly debated throughout all of history. Why? If you let either one of these ships be real, then what? Then the Ark could have been real. They have to deny these ships that are written up in history because they don't want the Ark to be possible. If the Ark was possible, then everything we've seen could have happened. We're going to be going forward. From here, we're going to be jumping into the aspects of the, of the flood and all of those things that happened. But I want you to start with this. Why? did God destroy the earth? Because there was a contamination of the human race. There was a contamination of these Nephilim, these earthborn, these fallen ones. They're there. They're in history. Why do you think the Greeks have them? Why do you think the Romans had them? Why do you think the ancient peoples believed in such things? Because they were real. They may have changed it a little bit to to make it a little more like what they wanted. They wanted Hercules to be the son of Zeus, not just the son of a fallen angel. But there it is. Why do you think these ancient astronaut people are so convinced that there's this blood contamination of modern people mixed with alien DNA? And I'll tell you why. They went through and did a study. And they looked at people who have had alien encounters. And they looked at the details people gave them. Well, I saw this. I smelled this. I experienced this. And one person said, oh my gosh, I've read this before. And they went back to like the 1600s. And they read the records of people that they tried to help who had been demonically possessed demonically possessed 1600s no idea what a ufo was back then we know what they found sights same smells same experiences exactly the same these people who were demonically possessed in like the 1600s went through exactly what we say alien abduction people go through today why Because there are no aliens. There are extraterrestrial fallen angels who were allowed to contaminate the human race. I know you don't need to know any of this stuff, but I'm giving it to you this way. What people are saying today is a perversion of the truth. It's their way of looking at the truth and re-explaining in a way that doesn't involve God. Because if it involves God, it's going to involve judgment. Just as he judged the world in this day, right back there in Second Peter, he is going to judge this world at the end of time. We're going to be gone, thankfully. We're going to be out of here in the rapture. But there will be a judgment on the people of that day. And it will be a terrible judgment. We've been through the book of Revelation. You know what that was all about. But I want you to prepare yourself because we're going to get into even more difficult stuff. And here's the thing I think is so wonderful. In the last couple years, scientists have proven categorically, without any doubt, every detail of the Bible. Every detail. Did you know that they have found hundreds, not a couple, but hundreds of entire cities sunken beneath the waves at the bottom of the ocean? And they're saying, How did those massive cities get down there? Well, next week in chapter 7, I'm going to tell you exactly how those cities got down there. Let's pray.